Ecclesiastes chapter 9 tonight, Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, and uh, we're going to a familiar verse. I feel like the last couple of weeks we've been going over some familiar verses, but tonight uh, we're going to be looking at building a work ethic, building a work ethic. Um, it's been known, if you look at history especially, uh, the Christian work ethic. What is that built on? Where does that come from? Uh, and you know, we all know people that, uh, you know, just comes to mind, we maybe hear a name and we look at them and, you know, we just have a great memory of, man, they're just a, a great help. They're a blessing to everybody and they're just, they do so much for the Lord. You know, they have that testimony. They do a work for the Lord and uh, you just notice that and you uh, have that memory of those things. Maybe it's at a fellowship, you know, it's cleaning, cleaning up after the fellowship, for example, or doing something. I mean, just always, they seem to be busy doing something for God. How do, why do we remember those people? Well, they follow the principles that we're going to be looking at tonight in regards to building a work ethic and not only just talking about work at a job, but any work that we find to do, whether it be at home, whether it be at church, uh, whatever it is, there are some big, big principles here that I think are being lost by our culture today. Uh, there is a great movement afoot to destroy these principles, and we need to make sure. I'm not talking about uh, laziness in its, uh, in its simple form, just not having any motivation, but just how we view doing things for God, how we view work. Uh, we have a re- set of requirements. The set, uh, what we have going on in our culture today is that we have a set of requirements. I will meet the requirement. That's it. I'm not going to go a step beyond. I'm not going to go the extra mile. I'm not going to, after whatever has been asked of me, I will do nothing more. Is that what God would have us do, or is there more that he would have us do? Well, let's stand together out of respect for the ring of the word of God. Let's read out loud together. I love hearing you all read uh, together. So Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse number 10. So one verse, we'll read it twice. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. One more time, Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Let's pray together. Dearly Father, I pray that tonight you burden my heart with this message, Lord, and I pray that we all practice this, for we all have weaknesses, Lord, of where we don't want to do our best or we don't want to find the work that you have for us, whatever it is, Lord. I pray that we would align ourselves with what you instruct us to have tonight, that we'd align ourselves with your word. We thank you for it and the instruction that it gives. I pray tonight that you would Uh, Help us to grow in our character. Help us to grow in our work for you. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Building a work ethic. You know, uh, we do have uh, to have a balance. You know, we we hear many times, and I've preached it many times. uh, It's not necessarily about doing, but about being. Can I tell you something, though? We ought to be what we ought to be for God. But being what we ought to be for God involves doing some things. It involves doing. So tonight, we're in seven, we need to be what we ought to be spiritually uh, in our relationship with God. But tonight, we're going to focus on the work part of it. And a word we love to hear is work, right? It just thrills your soul, 
right? You know, maybe we're tired tonight. We've had a long day. A lot of us have done a lot of work for the Lord, teaching in classes like, ah, preacher, I don't want to hear about work tonight. Well, I think we need to take some lessons from this this evening. Again, a lot of us have these things in our lives. Uh, maybe we just need some reminding about them, be encouraged. And maybe some of, or we're talking about some, talk to some young people tonight, some children. Maybe they need to hear this tonight and to find what God would have them find tonight. So number one tonight, so we read Ecclesiastes 9.10. What do we find in this passage? Well, number one is uh, a very important truth. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do. Amen. Finding work. So here, so number one, we look, need to look at finding work to do. You know, there's a lot said about ambition. I think there is perhaps a mistaken idea that ambition is wrong and sinful. Uh, well, ambition's bad. I've heard preachers say this. I've heard uh, adults say this. Well, we are, it's bad to have ambition. I believe that is an incorrect statement. Having the wrong kind of ambition is bad. Having an ambition for self, an ambition for worldly things, an ambition for fame, an ambition for riches, that's wrong and sinful. But what all ambition means is this, to go about or to seek by making interest. What does that mean? Finding something. Having an ambition to go out and to seek out and to find. Aren't you glad our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has ambition to seek and to save that which is lost? That's all ambition means. Seeking after. So I believe that here. So in this passage, we see that there is work that must be found to do. So what's going on here? The Song of Solomon here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, saying, Hey, we need to have some ambition to find a work to do. Amen. I hope we have found a work to do. So, however, ambition becomes bad when we lose the focus of what we are to seek. We know in Matthew 6, what does Jesus say? Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's what we seek after first. So, uh, can I say tonight that we should zealously, ambitiously seek to further the kingdom of God. That's our job. That's what we ought to do. And that all things, here it is, uh, Philippians 1.12, what do we learn? That all things that they fell out to the furtherance of the gospel. Oh man, that we would have that finding and find that work that furthers the gospel of Christ. Now here's a question tonight, very simple question. Is your ambition for yourself or is it for the Lord? Guess what? When there's a buck involved, we have all kinds of ambition, right? You know, uh, Prove me wrong with this. You have a child, you know, and you tell them to take out the trash and, oh man, and or ask them to seek out, you know, it's interesting, uh, we have a big yard, we have, you know, two acres of land, and I have children that uh, sometimes uh, don't pick up the things they ought to pick up, right? And isn't it amazing that when they go out, okay, go take a bag of trash bag, because sometimes the wind blows trash into our yard, sometimes the dog gets in trash can a little bit you know some things maybe the kids threw some wrappers instead of throwing them in the trash they threw them out there so every week or so uh, we go out there hey there's trash out there you know maybe the lawnmower hit a plastic car you know uh, whatever it is you know when you have little kids that happens a lot and so I tell them go out and they uh, and go find those things I want you to look in this area I want you to go and find those things isn't it amazing they come back with an empty trash bag dad there's nothing out there 
Didn't see it. Or in five minutes later, you know, they're riding their bikes around. I said, is this part of finding what I told you to find? Oh, no, Dad, we were playing. You know, we didn't find anything yet. I said, well, you better find it quick. Right? Let's find some things. You know, finding work to do. But those are things that I asked them to do. You know what? I think some of us as parents, if our child went out of the way and had some ambition, went outside, picked all that stuff up by themselves without being asked, threw it in the trash. Oh, Mom and Dad, I just threw that in the trash can. I think half of us have a stroke. Like, what in the world's wrong with them? I'm sorry, that's what we ought to be doing. We ought to have a work that we find to do. Ambition is not wrong. There's nothing wrong with desiring to do a work for the Lord. Isn't that what Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, did in Numbers 13, 30? And Caleb, still the people before Moses, said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are, we, we are well able to overcome it. The speech to Israel, the ten spies said, No, we can't do it. Caleb and Joshua said, Hey, Caleb had some godly ambition. Let's go and do something. Let's get something done for God. We can do it. God is with us. Caleb wanted to do a work. He had ambition. Is that wrong? Absolutely not. So we get this this idea of our head that ambition is a wrong and sinful thing. The wrong type of ambition is, but ambition of itself is not wrong. We should expect some things out of our children. Amen. Amen. Should expect them to do a work for God and that their lives are the purpose of doing something for God. But here it is, overcoming, we need to overcome something, overcoming the cultural failure in character. There's a cultural failure in character that is going on. And there has been a deterioration of seeking for work to do. We seek for work to come to us. Right? And especially with the advent of the smartphone. Okay, many times adults, this is adults now I'm talking about. I'm not talking about young people. I'm not talking about kids. I'm talking about adults. And that, uh, what do you see happening when they're at their job? When you see them out in the retail stores or things like that? What do you see them doing? Doing their job, but then when they have completed their responsibility, you know, you know they're doing that, and they will stand there, especially when they're behind the cash register, right? Until you walk up, they'll put their phone away. Do what they're required to do. As soon as you walk away, then they pull the phone back out again. Okay, are they doing their job, what they're hired for? Technically, yes. However, that's not how I was taught to be. Because you find work to do. If you don't find work to do, then work will be found for you to do. How many grew up like that? Good, praise the Lord. You know, most of you that raised your hand, you're over 30 or 40 years old, over 50. Now, most 20 or 20-somethings, they weren't raised that way. That's a failure in the culture that we have going on, that they sit on their smartphone, and they'll do it, they'll work when you ask them to. Amen? Probably Brother Glenn knows something about this, working at Hobby Lobby with younger people, is that they'll do what they're asked sometimes. <laughs> Hopefully so. We're not getting that, but they'll do what you ask them to, but they'll do nothing more than what they're asked to do. There's a problem with that because we need to look at what is going on in our culture today. What's going on in our churches? You know, as preachers, you know, you hear preaching conferences and things, man, we're having trouble getting Christians just to do what they ought to be doing, let alone go above and beyond for God. Amen. Just doing what we're supposed to do, the basics. We have trouble, and most people do those. 
But it seems to be as we go get older and as things go on, finding someone who is willing to go above and beyond in any type of work, whether it be for God or whatever it is, is few and far between. It ought not be. We seek for work to come to us is what's going on in our culture today. We wait for someone to ask us to do something. Can I tell you, God is asking for you to do something. Amen. He's already asking. It's like, I don't know what I have to do for God. He's asking you to do something. He's already calling. We just need to answer the phone. Amen. There needs to be a desire to seek for work. You know, instead of asking God to call, wait, wait, you know what? God, you call me. I'll just wait until you do. And say, God, what would you have for me to do? Here am I, Lord. Send me. Wasn't that Isaiah? Isaiah had some ambition, I guess. Samuel had ambition. God was calling and he answered, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And this applies not only to physical work. Amen. Spiritual work. You know, do we ever, are you one of those people that when you're walking down the sidewalk and you see a piece of trash that you just let it lie or you got to pick it up? You got this compulsion to pick it up, right? And put it away and throw it in the trash can. I'm, I'm one of those. <laughs> I walk by and it just, it irks me because you know what? You know how many hundreds of people probably walk by that same piece of trash that's not my job. We pay people to do that job. You know, we pay people and guess what? It's everyone's job. To find work to do. Let's talk about the church. You know, it's great. I love it when people say, Pastor, what can I do to help out? I love hearing that question. That's great. But you know what I love even more? People that come to me and say, Pastor, I did this for you. Pastor, I did that. I did this. Without even having to be asked. They come in and they just find work to do. Like, oh, those people are so great. You know why? Because you don't have to sit there and manage them every five minutes. They just go and they do a work. Don't get me wrong. If you want a work to do, I've got some work. Trust me. There's lots of things to go around. I mean, sometimes people just don't know what needs to be done. I'm not saying that they're not seeking for work, but they're trying to find something when they're coming and asking me, Pastor, what can I do in the church to help? That's wonderful. But do we go above and beyond what we're asked to do? Do we have work to find? You know, spiritual work. Oh, do we do the bare minimum in our spiritual walk with God? Or do we go above and beyond and seek after the things of God? Well, I did what I was supposed to do. I did what was asked of me. But to go above and beyond and seek and work and find the things of God. Studying the Bible takes some work and takes some effort. But it's worth it. Do we go and find a work to do? Uh, you know, uh, it was always funny. Whenever I went and visited my, my mom and dad when they, my mom was still alive and we would go up to Indiana and uh, I would go up there and it's vacation time. Uh, my wife knew that I would have like one day of relaxing maybe uh, because I saw work to do. Okay, mom, I want to help you out. I want to do this and that. And uh, she and I said, mom, have a list for me. She goes, you're, she, she would tell me, Robert, you're not going to do any work this vacation. I said, you know, I am my father's son, so that's not going to happen. Uh, I, I, there's things that need to be done around here, and I'm going to do it. So just give me a list. And she would give me a list of things to do and all, constantly tell me, you need to relax and take a break. i never forget when we would go and visit my grandma's camp up in uh, Heldeberg Lake, New York. My dad was always fixing something. I remember putting new windows in one visit. And then uh, it was sagging. It was on pure and beam, having the jacket up, crawl underneath there. My dad was crawling underneath there for like three days and... Uh, found snakes and all kinds of things under there, you know. That's just how I was raised. I'm thankful for that. But I look out among the society today, and you don't see that very often. You don't see that. Just find a work to do. 
You know, some people are hyper. I guess I call me. I probably can be considered hyper a little bit. But you know, I call it high octane a little bit. I know not everyone's that way, but we need to find work to do. We need to accomplish something for God. You know. Because one that doesn't, we can apply this to physical work, spiritual work, whatever. But one that avoids work is some a very simple biblical term. Look at Proverbs chapter six. Turn over there. Proverbs six. Uh, you know we call it lazy. The Bible calls you a sluggard. And so, what is a sluggard? Well, a slug doesn't move very fast, and doesn't do any useful work except eat and devour that which is you're trying to grow. Okay, slugs don't have that, so that's a biblical term. A sluggard is someone that uh, won't work and finds a reason not to work. Don't want to be called a sluggard. And by the way, all of us have a little bit of sluggard in us, okay? We all have that sin nature. We all have that flesh we have to fight. Oh, we just, we can do it tomorrow. Manana, manana, right? We can just do it tomorrow. Proverbs 6, 9 says, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep and a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. Can I tell you something? Uh, what do we have? A, la- a lazy person's called a sluggard. We have some biblical descriptions. Number one, they don't have a proper sleep schedule. Number one. Verse 9 and 10, they sleep too much or they don't have a, they sleep when work is to be done. Oh, they're up all night and sleep during work time. Uh, that's a very common thing today. A lot of people are up all hours of the night. We have kids come in on the bus all hours of the night playing video games, can't come in, can't even stay awake in class. You know what? And they are asleep. Guess what? They're not accomplishing anything spiritually. Why? Because they have decided to use their time in other ways, but not in ways that matter. Um, Proverbs ten twenty six, uh, the second attribute they do not accomplish what they are asked to do. Proverbs ten twenty six as vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to them that sent him. Oh, uh, uh, smoke to the eyes is an irritant. Ever got smoke in your eyes really bad, and you're like you can't see. Your eyes are watering and things. So that's the sluggard, a person that is not is lazy, doesn't have character. They're sent on a job to do, and they don't do it. Oh, I can't do. We don't want to be an irritant to somebody. Amen. We don't, that's a bad testimony. Uh, the third thing is, Proverbs 13, 4, the soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Well, here's the third aspect. They have big plans and nothing to show for it. They talk a lot about what they want to do. They talk a lot about their big plans, but they don't have anything to show for it. Another attribute, Proverbs 20, verse 4, The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold, therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. Uh, always make excuses why they can't work. It's too hot, it's too cold. There's a line, there's another passage. There's a line in the street. Makes up excuses of why they can't do what they need to do. Uh, we need to be careful of that. Uh, you know, if, if you have a child, is that they have, always have an excuse for why they can't do something. You better break that quick. Oh, when they're a teenager, it gets even worse. And uh, they're like, oh, it's this or that and the other. You know, um, <laughs> when we have, uh, have work days, sometimes we're doing things, and they, and they come to me and say, Pastor, my, my, hands, are, my hands hurt. I said, that's called working. Uh, they hurt sometimes. Like, you know, we have an idea in our head in our society that whatever we do should, should not have pain, should not have discomfort, should be air-conditioned, right? 
or heated uh, and things like that. Now, how many of you have ever, you just grew up in a more rural area and you had outside chores that you had to do it, right? All right, so you understand what I'm talking about. Okay, uh, it didn't matter if it was cold. It didn't matter if it was hot. It didn't matter if it was raining, snowing, sleeting. It didn't matter. Uh, you wouldn't do that. If you want to complain about weather, try snow blowing in a blizzard. All right, six feet of snow, okay? That's why my, my dad had me at an older age so I could snow blow and uh, they're inside, <laughs> I'm out there, and I come in as an icicle, okay, covered in snow, uh, and you're tired, man, guess what, that is a wonderful thing, when you're out in the cold snow, you get to sit up, prop your feet up, mom brings you a cup of hot cocoa, right, nothing quite like that, I don't know what they do in Texas for that, I guess a cold iced tea, I guess that's what, uh, when it's hot out, I guess, <laughs> there's nothing, it doesn't go the other way around, really, okay, maybe lemonade does a little bit of that, but but doing didn't matter what it was. I remember doing things where my feet were numb, my hands were numb, I was soaked to the bone, whatever it was, I just did it. And you know what? I love doing it. You know what? If it was something outside, my son has a little bit of this. If it's pouring rain outside, man, I want to do it. It's more fun that way. You know, when I, I, I'll never forget doing car check in college, you know, and it was pouring rain. I mean, I got my, my poncho on and I got my, my hat on and everything. I had my Australia hat and everything. I was going out there doing car check when all the other guys like, I'm not going out there. I said, this is fun. You know, you know, the dark pouring rain, you know, at night, you know, you know, private investigator style, right? You know, just kind of out there. I thought it was fun and to do that. And like people are like, you're weird. I said, maybe I am a little bit, you know, everybody knows your pastor's a little weird. But at that time, but I didn't shy away from work. And I, I, I put that to account because I had a great example of work. I never once saw my parents ever be lazy. On days off, my mom would always work in her garden. There was never a day that I did not see my parents get up at 4.30 in the morning and work till 5 in the afternoon every single day with about five exceptions when they were sick in bed in my entire childhood. Always Monday to Friday, that's what they did. Unless we were on vacation, which we took vacations like once every five years. But, uh, you know, when we did, or we went in the summertime, we'd go down for a long weekend down to see my grandma. Or we would go for a week. When I was a little older, we'd go for a week to Daytona Beach and visit my grandma. But I guess what? They worked every single day without fail. Never heard a complaint. That's just what they did. My dad started his business at 16 years old. Like, well, what, he had ambition. What led him to do that? It's called survival. You know, we live in a very spoiled day today. They didn't used to be that way back in the 60s and 50s and 40s in different parts of the country, especially where my dad grew up. What did he do that for? To take care of his mom and his family? Because they needed food. They didn't have EBT and all those things back then. And they didn't, and she wouldn't take welfare. She said, no, she was too proud for this. I'm going to work hard. She worked three jobs, took care of her kids, had ten kids. And that's where work ethic comes from. Because they had to survive. Now, what about one that finds work? Let's look back at Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Don't worry, the last two points are short. I'm firstborn here. It's like, oh, pastor's getting wound up here. Uh, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 and 8. So let's look over there. Uh, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. 
which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest, how long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard, even wilt thou arise? When shalt thou rise out of thy sleep? So what's going on here? The ants, you know, amazing. This summer we had a harvester ant colony in the middle of our backyard. It didn't matter if it was 110, 115 out there. They're still working. You know, they're out there working tirelessly. They literally, ants work themselves to death. And you know what? I look at that and say, well, I guess if the ant can do it, I can do it too. You know, uh, within safety reason, but they're constantly working back and forth. You never see a lazy ant. You never see the ant kick back, have a nice tea, you know. You never see them back there just wandering aimlessly. They always have a purpose. They always have a direction they're going. Always have a job to do. And their job is very singular, to serve the queen. Our job is very, very singular, is to serve the king. Amen. The king of kings and lord of lords. We have a very singular job and it's not hard, it's not rock and scientists. By the way, if you go into business for yourself, you're going to find things don't go very well for you. Instead, we need to serve the Lord. Uh, but what does an ant do? Well, there's plans. Proverbs 21.5, the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty only to want. Was it the thoughts of the diligent? They plan. Amen. You want to plan to save money? You got to plan to save money. It doesn't just happen. It does, it, spending money just happens, right? <laughs> Whatever our heart desires, there it goes. But it plans to save money. If you want to progress, guess what? Uh, whatever job God has for you, there's a preparation period. It doesn't just happen. Amen. Need to plan that. God has a plan and everything. Everything should be done decently and in order. The direction of a church, there must be a plan to it. But then after that plan, they just don't sit there and plan. The sluggard, the sluggard plans. You know that sluggards can plan? They do a great job planning, but they don't do any of it because they never go. You know what? It's so sad to hear people, they plan to serve God. They plan to do this. They plan to do this. They plan to do that, but then they never go. If you plan to do something and God is in that plan, then God wants you to go do that plan because that plan is only a plan that only you can fulfill. And as they're going, they find. So ants find things to eat. They go and they go and they find. They plan where they're going to go. Then they go and then they find the work they're supposed to do. Whether they be that morsel of, of food or that be the intruder that's coming in and they bite them and sting them, you know, whatever it is. And then they, they gather it and then they process it. They put it in this place. They prepare and store up for the winter months when there's time of of, uh, well, there's a time of scarcity. And because they do that, they prosper. What happens? The ant colony produces more and more, more and more fruitful, more and more workers are born. And the colony grows bigger and bigger and prospers. Proverbs 10, 4. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. If you're diligent and you work hard, then there's going to be fruit because fruit always produces more seeds than what you started with. And so here's the problem, though. People think, well, I have a lot of fruit. You know what you got to do with that fruit? You got to plant the seeds again and keep working, and the fruit comes. Amen. So we just don't look, oh, look at all the fruit I have, and just let it sit, and it rots and wastes. Need to work for the Lord. <clears throat> That's a diligent person. And that leads us to the next point. Okay, so we look, let's go back to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 9.10. Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. 
doing your best. So number two tonight, so number one, find a work to do. It's okay, I have a work to do. Number two, doing your best. That's what do it with thy might means. You know, there's a wonderful example of this in the Bible. I love, I love, I love Nehemiah. You know why? Because he followed this. Had the burden, the call of God. He had a plan. And you notice you know something. Notice something in Nehemiah. You never see in Nehemiah that God spoke to Nehemiah about anything. He didn't appear to him in a vision, but he had a burden. Then God put a plan together, and he went, and he did, and God provided along the way. But you never see a miraculous, there's not one miracle in the book of Nehemiah. It was just simply planning and going and doing for the Lord. Amen. And you know why we do that? Because, because we are the ones, that's a great example to us. Amen. So Nehemiah chapter 4 tonight. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 17. Let's look over there. We're going to read this section. When we see the plan, we see the burden, he went out and he saw the devastation. He saw the the piles of rubble. He saw the burnt down walls. And instead of looking, oh man, this is an impossible job. I can't do this. Oh no, I, uh, this is what's going, this is the job I have to do. Sometimes we look at the job and we say, Lord, I can't do this. This is too much. This just, it's too far gone. He didn't say that. He said, this is the plan that God has for me and I'm going to stick to it. Uh, my mom used to call it stick to it, stick to it, ifness. Don't quit. Diligence. I'm going to stick with the plan and work that plan and God blesses. But Nehemiah chapter 4, follow along as I read, beginning in verse 17. They which build it on the wall, and they that bear burdens, which those that laid it, every one with the one of his hands, wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon, for there had been threats. For the builders, every one had his sword girded by his side, and so builded, and he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And I said unto the nobles, and to the rulers, and to the rest of the people, The work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall, one far from another. In what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet? Resort ye thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising in the morning till the stars. Now, I'm sorry, they weren't a union. They didn't work till five, and that's it. They had a work to do. This wasn't union labor. This was a labor for survival of the nation. They were being threatened on every side. They were threatened with invasion. They were threatened with all of these things. So they had protection, and then they were still working. And each of these times, the people were discouraged by the amount of work and then by the dangers. But Nehemiah had an answer to every single one of those objections. That's what a true leader does. He leads people through the problems and through objections. So he labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning to the stars appeared. Likewise, at the same time, said I unto the people, let every one with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they may be a guard to us and labor on the day. So neither I, nor my brethren, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our clothes, saving that every one put them off for washing. So they were dressed all the time ready to go, ready to fight, and they built the entire wall in less than 90 days. Now, that would be a feat with modern technology. They didn't have modern technology like we do. They didn't have concrete trucks and backhoes and shovels. They first had to clear everything, and then they had to build it all, all of that less than 90 days. Amen. What a work for the Lord. Whatever work we have found to do for the Lord, do it to the best of our ability. Nehemiah did it to the best of his ability, and he led other people to do their best for God. Let's be honest. Are we doing our best? 
Do we do our best when we teach our Sunday school class? Do we do our best when we're doing our work in the nursery? Are we doing our best when we're cleaning the house of God? Are we doing our best in whatever we're doing for God? You name it, any ministry, any part of it, are we doing our best? Are we doing our best in our study of the Word of God? Are we doing our best in our soul winning? Are we doing our best or are we just doing? I tell you something, all that we do, we do it for the glory of God. We are serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. We ought to do our very, very, very best. God blesses the best. God, we have this principle of giving the best. All the way through the Old Testament, when they gave the lamb of sacrifice for sin, it was to be a spotless lamb. It was to be without blemish, not disease, not maimed in some way, no defects in it. It was to be perfect. Can I tell you something? If you've ever seen a herd of sheep or goats, there's very few in there that are perfect. There's only maybe a couple in a maybe a herd of a couple hundred that are perfect in every single way. It wasn't only to, it was to point to the perfect Messiah coming. It was that, but also because those perfect ones were very valuable for breeding. They were extremely valuable because that was a pure gene pool. So they wanted to breed those, but God said, no, I want your best. He wanted the first fruits, but why? Because it was God that gave them the land. It was God who blessed them. And then God would be able to bring the increase as it came. So do we give the first of everything? That's with our tithing. We have to give the first of our money, not the last of it. And we give our very best to God. But can I tell you something? What our culture is flipped around. We do our very best to earn some money. But when there's money not involved, our culture says, well, I do our best. You know, because church is just like the social club, you know. Yeah, it's just like going over to the VFW, the American Legion, or any other company, or any other club. You know, I go and I show up and I just kind of slap things together and give it. I'm sorry, this is the house of God. And as Christians, we have to give our very best to God in God's house. Whatever work we have found to do, whether it be our job, whether it be our family, be our marriage, be our raising our children to do our very, very best. But the temptation is always there that this is good enough. Because the best for each individual in here will be a little different. The abilities that I have will not be the same abilities that maybe you have. And then another person won't have the same abilities as somebody else. God knows what your best is. Going to be honest, you know what your best is. I'm afraid of this. When, uh, especially uh, in, the, in the Christian school at different times of this. And Brother Hammonds, you can testify to this. Is that we push. Why? Because many people have never tried to do their best. They never tried before in all their life. To do their absolute best. And what was amazing to me, and I saw this on multiple occasions. Students that could do their best. They get A's. They do amazing work. And then to look either me or Brother Hammonds in the eyes and say, well, why didn't you do your best? You can do it. Ah, it's not worth it. It's too much what? Work. It's too much work to do your best. It's very interesting, but not all cultures in our world are like that. You go to many Asian cultures. Man, uh, do you know how they motivate them? Because you bring shame upon your family. You're dead to me. I'm not saying that's right, but that's the extent of it. And we wonder why those cultures have progressed so much in the last 150 years. 
and that they have surpassed. They are the best in technology in the world. We're not the highest, we're not the most advanced uh, society with technology in the world. We think we are, but we're not. South Korea is far more advanced in their technology than we are. Japan is far more advanced than we are in our technology. Even China is becoming more advanced than we are. Why? They work. They're diligent. And they do it for ungodly reasons. Oh, how much more do we want to see the blessing of God if we just simply do our best? It used to be in the United States of America, Christians were known for doing their best. It meant something if you hired a Christian. They were going to be honest. They were going to be diligent. They were going to be on time. And they were going to work hard. That's what used to be known for Christians. Unfortunately, that's been lost. And that was lost a long time ago. But you know what? We can see a resurgence of it. But it begins with training. It was interesting. I was actually talking to my son about this <laughs> this afternoon. I never had an open book quiz or test until I went to college. Every grade I got in, in homeschool, I was homeschool. I earned every single grade. My parents would say, no open book for you. And I got to college. I'm like, what? I had two. I had two. I remember two. Open book. But you know what? I had that open book. I felt like I was cheating. I mean, I felt terrible. I know the teacher said to do it, but I was like, oh, this is terrible. I feel like I'm cheating. You know, uh, that was just, you know, that was just me. But can I just say something else? We need to do our best for God's glory, not for to be of the praise of men, because that's not what it's all about. Number three and last, we don't have much time. What do we see in Ecclesiastes 9.10? For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. We only have a limited amount of time on this earth to work for God. We only have a limited amount of time to do our best. We need to redeem time from loss. You know, James 4.14, what does it tell us? That our life is but a vapor. It's here for a moment and it passes away. And can I tell you something? There will be a day when we can no longer work as hard as you can right now. Age happens to us all. Health happens to us all. And I know a lot of those of the more senior saints here tonight, you spent a lifetime of working hard. And it shows. And it's a blessing. But can I tell you something? You know, the, the phrase, the older I get, is that youth is wasted on the young sometimes. Right? Because what do they do with it? How about we show them what to do with it? Amen. Show them how to work for God. Show them how to use that energy and that zest for life to do a work for God. And you know what was amazing with Nehemiah? Nehemiah was probably in his 30s or 40s, probably. And he was called down by Sambalat and Tobiah. So we want to have a conference. You know, we'll come down to the ecumenical meeting and fellowship with us down here. And uh, they sought to do him harm, though. They were trying to trap him. And he goes, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Sorry, I have a job from a higher authority that I have to do. I'm not going to get distracted with you. You know, sometimes we let things distract us, let things get in the way, and we let the obstacles. Can I tell you something? If you're going to do a work for God, you are going to encounter obstacles, (laughs) and you are going to be attacked. You are going to be misunderstood. You will encounter these things. But we feel that, but I'm, I'm sorry, Liz, when we reach an adversity or we reach 
an impasse. And you know what? Can I tell you something? We begin to think, oh, it's not God's will because God just makes everything smooth and flat and wonderful. No, there's some mountains and the way he knows they're there, he wants you to go over them. You know why? Because God tests if, what, if we're really serious or not. He puts tests there so we really decide for ourselves if that's really what we want to do. Because it's really easy to say something. It's very, much, very different to do it. And there's going to be adversities. There's going to be sacrifices. But doing your best for the Lord, it doesn't matter. We need to pr- be proactive and spend each moment wisely because we're only given so many. Don't waste it on yourself. Invest it in eternity. Are you looking for the work God has for you? Are you looking and seeking to find work, whether it be in the secular realm or it be a work for God, whether it be in the church? Are you seeking and finding work to do? Because maybe sometimes people come, Pastor, what can I do? I say, oh, I can't think of anything. Oh, I guess there's nothing to do for God. You know, but people that find work, they see a need and what take the. Oh, see, this is a phrase that used to be well known. See a need and take the lead. Find it. Work. You see a need and you just take care of it. Amen. We're so afraid we're going to offend somebody. Well, I don't want to take someone else's job. You know, can I tell you something? If there's cobwebs underneath the pew for six months, no one else thought of it except you. So take care of it. Amen. Go get that rag and if we have everybody do that, man, this place will be sparkly. Would you let your house look that way? Some people would. Shouldn't. Amen. Be good stewards of what God's given you. Are you looking for the work God has for you? It's a pastor. I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking. I'm praying all the time. I'm praying all the time. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Can I give you a little hint? It's right in front of you. Every time. I've asked, Lord, you know, what do you want me to do? Every single time. You no, know, the Lord says, look right in front of you. What's in your hand? What are you doing right now? That's the work I want you to do. Amen. We have this pie in the sky looking for the great beyond, the greatest thing over the next rainbow. Guess what? It isn't what God has usually. Life is not pie in the sky. Life is doing a work for God right here, right now. Because the sluggard looks for the pie in the sky. Oh, it'll come someday and it never comes. But the diligent person says, I have a work to do here and now, and I'm going to be faithful each step of the way, and God will guide my steps as I am faithful. So, well, I want to get somewhere. Great. you got to start on the path first. And as time goes on, God will lead you down that path. It's right in front of you. Don't miss it. Develop and build that work ethic. Hope we've been reminded tonight, but maybe if there's some things that we've been slacking, oh, we can be slackers. All of us can. It's all inside all of us. Maybe some things we need to get right with the Lord tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for tonight and your word. We thank you, Lord, for a work to do for you. Oh, Lord, that we don't have to sit back and do nothing. But, Lord, you've given us a work. We're honored to work for you. We're unworthy, Lord, but you know that. You enable us and you guide us. Lord, help us to find it. Help us to see it. (coughs) To find work. 
find what you'd have us to do. Too many times, Lord, where we look and we seek, but it's right in front of us what we need. We thank you, Lord, for being patient with us and guiding us in the way. Bless, I pray, the invitation tonight. I pray, dear Lord, if maybe some, there's an area of their life that they've let the guard down, they've slacked off in, maybe even become the sluggard. Oh, Lord, that we would be renewed and that we'd be restored tonight. And, Lord, that laziness is sin. I pray, Lord, that we would be what we ought to be and do what we ought to do. For, Lord, only then can we be fully blessed. We thank you, Lord, for your blessings tonight and your instruction in your word. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.